Okay, we've got now three hours of uh, creative writing workshops. First one run by myself, and then two more to come afterwards. So I'm hoping you will have lots of uh, hints and tips and ideas and inspiration, but also plenty of opportunities to uh, get writing as well. And I'm going to mix up, uh, mix and match that um, in this next sort of 50 minutes or whatever. Uh, I'll introduce the the two further speakers uh, properly when they uh, when their hours are due to start. But um, very briefly, one of them um, is Shelley is going to be talking about writing for TV and radio, and one of them, James, is going to be talking about life writing and using your own. Uh, ways of approaching using your own family history um, for uh, for writing. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about using your own life in a very different way, using your own life as a resource for writing fiction. Um, which is something that has been occurring to me more and more over the last few years, partly because of uh, external influences, books that I see being published that bring that issue very much into uh, debate, but also through my own writing, and also through the work that I see students producing, because um, I teach them creative writing undergraduate undergraduates at uh, the University of East Anglia, where um, I've just recently finished my PhD. Um, I'm just trying to think, am I going to do my introduction, or are we going to get straight on with some, uh, some writing, first of all? I'll do a bit more of my introduction. Some of the books that have been published in the last few years that have provoke this debate about what you can and can't write about your own life um, includes a book by Sheila Hetty, an American writer, H-E-T-I, I'll probably bring all their information up on the screen later on, who has written a book called How Should a Person Be, um, which has just come out in paperback. And in that, she writes a memoir about her own life in, um, as a struggling writer in New York, I know she lives in Toronto, doesn't she? She lives in Toronto. Um, and all the people in it are using their real names. Um, they're all her friends. But it is billed not as a memoir, but as a novel, which means that she essentially doesn't really let on how much of it she is making up and how much of it is truthful. Another book that is coming out in stages, that again I'll bring up um, on the screen in a minute, is a book by a Norwegian writer called Karl Urber Knausgaard. And that is a six-volume book called My Struggle, rather provocatively titled, uh, in which he essentially writes the novel of his life. And again, it is supposedly all based entirely on his life. All the characters are members of his family, and they all take their real names. He writes about his relationship with his father. He writes about um, his relationship with his grandmother. And he writes about the breakdown of his first marriage, all using real names. Um, but because he's writing back to his childhood, there's, and it's, pre it's presented in a way that's like a novel. So 
there's no possible way that he could have that amount of recall about stuff that happened to him 40 years ago. Uh, so that throws that into dispute as well. Is that a novel or is that a memoir? Of course, there's nothing new about this. People have been writing memoirs and writing about people and getting, getting in trouble with their loved ones uh, for as long as people have been writing, really. I remember when I was um, about 20 and first living in London and hanging around with a group of creative people, some of whom went on to become pop musicians or writers for television and, and also published writers, not all of them. Uh, someone wrote a book about that group uh, that was be- worked up from their diary and uh, it was about what it's like to be creative but not yet successful. And it passed around in manuscript and caused an awful lot of aggro. Nobody liked seeing themselves put on the page in that way. Um, I'd be very, the person who wrote it is now a published author and I'll be very interested, to, I'm not really in contact with them anymore, but it seemed like they were 20 years ahead of their time. But if that book was pitched now, then probably they would not have trouble, much trouble um, finding a home for it. I never read it. But also the people that were involved probably would have a lot less um, problem with seeing themselves on page because they're all at a later stage in their, in their career and in their life. And when I think about my writing, three things occur to me um, in this regard. One of them is that I think I've been fighting for a long, long time against something I read when I was very young, which is that I was reading a review of or something or, or a writer or a critic writing and they made a disparaging comment about semi-autobiographical novels. It's like, oh, it's just a semi-autobiographical novel. As if all the person had done was just take their life and write it up in a slightly more interesting way. Um, and I think I took that to heart and thought that's, that's, that's a bad thing to do, that's not what you should do. And I think I've been fighting a long time to... Um, to rid myself of that um, that sort of negative feeling that you shouldn't really use your own life, um, that it's that you should be inventing other stuff. Um, the second thing is that I've seen all these other books being um, successful in tackling this issue, and also more and more, I see books by writers that um, are not builders semi-autobiographical that you then discover are based on moments in their life and it's not it's not pitched as that but when you read an interview with them or when you talk to them about it they say oh yeah that you know that bit happened to me not the whole book not the whole story but that's the germ that's where it came from and so I think people use their own lives all the time and it's just a question of whether you pitch that uh, when you make that central part of what it is or what it isn't. And obviously, when you're writing and you're being interviewed in the national press, then that's a question that will come up. When you're writing and you're you know, just writing to see what happens and to try and send it out there, it's less of an issue. At the moment, anything that you write uh, in this room that's about your life is just going to stay on your pad. That doesn't mean it, that means it's a fertile um, resource for you, and you only have to question the ethics of it at such a point that someone else casts their eye over it. So some of the writing I'm going to be doing today is going to be, I'm going to be encouraging you to write about yourself uh, and about your life in a way that uh, if you knew it was going to be up there on the screen or printed out and handed out to everyone when they left the room, you might not write about it in that way. Um, and the third thing 
that um, has led me to do this workshop in this particular way is that when I'm teaching undergraduate students, very often they are scared of writing about their own life and resort either to um, extrovert escapist genres like fantasy or science fiction or, which is you know, absolutely not a problem, or they escape into generalisation where they write about a parent-child relationship but they write about it in a very abstract fairy tale way rather than it all seems to be happening in some nebulous hinterland where it's never quite clear when or where it's happening and things happen in a, in a very non-realistic way and some of the best stories that I see are the ones where it just seems to be more straightforwardly transcribed and put down. Um, that may be entirely a um, prejudice of mine, that that's the kind of story I like, and so I think those are better stories. Maybe that's the case. Um, and suddenly, one of the students I work with on their dissertation recorded a load of her friends chatting and you know, told them she was doing it, and one evening she recorded everything transcribed it and built stories out of that. Um, and the final little bit of this um, introduction before we actually get on with some writing is um, just to say from my own actual writing experience, um, I mean, I have got a novel coming out, my debut novel coming out later this year. That's not autobiographical at all. Um, apart from the fact that it, it's kind of soaked in autobiographies, none of the characters in it are me none of the events that happen in it are me it's all about um, you know, the young British artists and people of the ilk of Damien Hurst and Tracy Emin and I, you know, it's not based on their lives it's based on the scene that they were in that I've never been part of um, but at its heart is the story of a, of a relation of a friendship, a male friendship um, and that's totally autobiographical because it's based on um, a friend I had a long time ago that I looked up to with awe and I thought, you know, how, how would it be, how can you possibly write about someone that you, um, what would happen if that person who I thought was great did turn out to be massively successful, how does that affect a friendship? So to that extent is soaked in um, autobiography. And the two short stories that I've written most recently that have been successful, one of them getting shortlisted for a prize and one of them is being anthologised this, later this year, Get, again, spring out of autobiographical moments that didn't happen to me, but I've sort of taken them into me. One of them is when I was going back and being a PhD student at UEA. Um, one evening, everyone started playing Spin the Bottle, and I hadn't played that for 15, 20 years. Um, and I thought, this is ludicrous playing it at my age. But that particular setup became the, the um, basis for a story. And another one, um, which is being anthologised later this year, is called The Favour Book of Adultery. And that uh, emerged as an idea for a story when, for the first time, someone that I knew in my vague, um, very vague, wide social group um, was caught having an affair and their marriage ended. And although I've never had an affair, I wondered, how on earth does that happen? Because... So much you read so much about uh, adultery and affairs in literature, but it seems such a, an impossible thing to happen in, you know, hectic working life, kids at school, no time for writing, let alone having an affair. Um, I wanted to think if I was going to have an affair, how would it happen? And so that's how I took the story um, into 
me and wrote it as, essentially as if it was an autobiographical story of a, uh, an affair that I had never actually had. Um, so that, I hope, gives some idea of where I'm coming from when I come to give the, um, the writing exercises that, uh, that I'm going to do now, which is going to take up most of the rest of the, um, most of the, rest of the workshop this morning. Um, and the first one is just a, uh, so everyone I hope has a pen and paper or a laptop with them, uh, in which case you should be limbering up your fingers and getting ready to go. Uh, the first one is an exercise um, that's new, that, was, um, that I, I take from the, the course at UEA, um, and Andrew Cowan, who's, who runs the course there, a very fine novelist and teacher. And in it, it's, a piece of, it's an automatic writing exercise, so it's a limbering up, get yourself going, switch off from listening to the dull bloke at the front talking, and um, get yourself in the writing mode. And what you're going to do is you're going to write about the person that is closest to you in your life now. You're going to to write for ten minutes, and it's just a getting-going thing. And you are going to write in the present tense, and you're going to write in the second person, and you're going to describe what they are doing right now. And you're going to describe what they're doing and then you're going to move into that and start writing about what they're thinking and where they are. So you're writing in the present tense, uh, you're writing in the second person, so your first words you should write are you are and essentially you then shouldn't, i will probably do it slightly less than 10 minutes because I don't want to run out of time. I want to see everyone's hand moving permanently, consistently and constantly for the next eight minutes. Okay, you can stop that now. Um, I think the best writing comes out of this very quiet, personal, intimate space. Um, that's why I think that exercise is so good, because it makes you think very personally about the person you happen to be writing about there. But I want you to be able to write in that, with that degree of intimacy and risk and possible potential danger, depending on what you wrote, about all your characters. Um, there's this very famous quote <coughs> about the writer needing a splinter of ice in their heart. Um, that you don't have to ruin your family life by writing about your family. You don't have to destroy your marriage or write about a disintegrating marriage like Hanif Qureshi uh, did famously in one of his books. But you have got to be able to look with a degree of coldness at the world around you and the people around you. So for the next short exercise, I want you to do the same thing, write uh, in the second person, in the present tense, addressing somebody and describing who they are, but it should be someone else in this room. Um, so furtively have a look around. So doesn't, this doesn't work very well in a group of eight students in a tiny seminar room. They, they're all probably sleeping with each other anyway. Um, you're more than welcome to use me if you don't want to be furtively looking across the um, uh, room at other people. But for the next five minutes, do the same thing. Furtively look around and do another five minutes of writing 
about another person and try and do it with the same degree of intimacy and risk that you did just now with your first piece. So I get you going again. Okay, we'll stop that right now. Um, just thinking about this has made me remember something I, I read earlier, well, actually last year, um, in a wonderful book called Gilead by Marilyn Robinson, um, which is written in the persona of a, of a male uh, American Midwestern preacher who, who writes the whole book as a letter to his unborn son. Um, and I'll explain why, why this has come to mind in a sec, but I'll just read this paragraph out to you. I feel sometimes as if I were a child who opens its eyes on the world once and sees amazing things it will never know any names for and then has to close its eyes again. I know this is all mere apparition compared to what awaits us, meaning heaven, the, the, the character is not dying but old. I know that this is all mere apparition compared to what awaits us, but it is only lovelier for that. There is a human beauty in it. And I can't believe that when we have all been changed and put on incorruptibility, we will forget our fantastic condition of mortality and impermanence, the great bright dream of procreating and perishing that meant the whole world to us. In eternity, this world will be Troy, I believe, and all that has passed here will be the epic of the universe, the ballad they sing in the streets. And I think that's amazing, and that's, uh, I mean, I find it a very moving book, but it's saying however great whatever else happens is, there's, there is amazing, um, there's something beautifully impermanent about what happens in our own lives, and the ballad they sing in the streets is a bit, you know, a ballad is like a short story. A short story is a glimpse. A ballad is something ordinary made beautiful. And a short story should be something ordinary from your life or from life made, uh, raised up and made beautiful or significant. Um, and when it, going back to that thing about semi-autobiographical novels, I don't think everybody's life has got a semi-autobiographical novel in it. I don't think mine does. Um, and one of the... the the, the talks later on, James is going to be talking about you know using your family history as um, as material for for life writing and yeah most people's families when you when you look back at your own most people I feel could probably write a very interesting book about their parents or their grandparents and possibly a better book than they could write about themselves but I don't think everybody's got a semi autobiographical novel in them, but I'm convinced that everybody has got a fair few brilliant short stories in them that are essentially either inspired by or worked up from or straight transcriptions of moments in their own life. Um, and in order to generate those, the next exercise, I'm going to ask you all to take a piece of paper um, and take, if you've got a notebook, take, take it out you see about this big. If you haven't got a piece of paper, put your hand up and I'll give you a, a sheet from here. And what I want you to do for the next few minutes is think of a... Think of a secret from your own life. Something that either you have never told anybody or you don't generally tell people. <coughs> what you do, I, I'm going to do this as well, 
you're going to write in a sentence or two sentences or a paragraph that secret of that event. And we're going to put them all in a hat. And you come around and collect them. So bear this in mind when you decide what you're going to write. And then at the end of the session, everyone's going to take one out. So it's entirely anonymous. And the worst that could happen is that somewhat you, you read a story that's won an amazing short story prize in two years' time. Um, and you think, um, But, yeah, so it's totally up to you what you write. You can be, you, the secret can be as big or as small as you want. It's not going to end up on the screen. I'm not going to read them. No one else in this room apart from one other totally random person is going to read it. Um, and they're going to, when you take one out, you don't even need to read it now. You can just put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, put it in your notebook, and take it away with you. But it's not just a gift for the other person. It's also a gift for yourself as well, because that thing that you don't tell anyone, however big or small, even if you don't make a story out of it, is that it's thinking about that kind of aspect and element of your own life where the really good, gritty writing, I think, comes from. All um, stories need uh, you know, some kind of risk involved. All interesting characters need some kind of failings. And you may not have an amazing life narratorially, but I would like to think that your failings are all genuinely great and worthy of attention. So take the piece of paper, spend it, I'm going to give it, you know, three or four, five minutes now to do it. Then I'm going to come, during the next writing exercise, I'm going to then come around and take them. So, uh, you know, my bit of paper has got all the, this bit's ripped off. I'm going to do it now as well. Have a think and write your secret. Okay, we've got about 15, 20 minutes left. Uh, and the last... Um, exercise we're going to do, which has a couple of parts, um, again fits into this idea of trying to mine your own um, life for possible stress points that you might not have considered um, possible subjects for short stories, but may well be. Again, we're going to do the same thing we've done again. We're going to think of a person and address them. And this time, I want you to think of somebody in your life that you used to be at least friends or close with. doesn't have to be anything more than that. But that you're no longer in contact with for whatever reason. And to start with, I want you to do the same writing that we've done already uh, in this hour. You're going to address them. You're going to describe them. Whether you're describing them now or whether you're describing them as they were at the time over the gap of how many years doesn't matter. You can do it either way. Second person, you, present tense, you are. Describe them to themselves. Uh, and do that for five minutes. And I will come around and collect your... Okay, that's about five minutes. Um, now, 
you're going to flip it around, and this time this person, this character you've just described, um, now becomes third person, and they are in a scene. They are somewhere in a room or a cafe, and you're going to write a dialogue scene between them and somebody else, I don't really care who, and their subject of topic of their conversation is you. The topic of their conversation is you. So uh, the person that you've been addressing, that you've got going in your mind again, possibly, you know, hopefully the idea is it might be someone you haven't really thought about very much for a while, but someone that you at some time have known very well, are now going to be talking about you with someone else, and it should be written in dialogue. 